This afternoon I explained to you the doctrine of God's Word as we confess that in Lord's Day 47 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 556 of the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 47. And there we confess the word as follows. What is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer then? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that includes you, boys and girls. In Lord's Day 45, the, the first Lord's Day about the petition about prayer, Lord's Day 45, we confess that we can ask God all things we need for body and soul. All things we need. Now, if you think about your needs, what should we ask for first, then? What's our greatest need? Because we want to ask them in, in a right order. What's number one on the list of needs that we should bring before God in prayer? I think if you asked uh, a number of people what's the greatest need you ask, you figure you should ask God to fulfill, you'd get a, a number of items that would score pretty high on the list. Health, for instance, some feel good health is, is most important. Others might say happiness would be number one. Others might suggest uh, peace or prosperity are pretty significant things and should rank up there too somewhere. Those might be good things to seek in themselves, yet when the Lord Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, He didn't put any of those things at the top of the list. The first thing He teaches us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer is the hallowing of God's name. In other words, that God uh, be glorified by us. That's number one of our needs. That God is glorified by us. But are those other things like health then not so important in the eyes of the Lord Jesus? Well, He doesn't put them first and foremost. He wants the best for His people. But what's most important is that your life has real meaning and purpose. You can good have, have good health and so on, but if your life doesn't have the right sense and goal, then your health doesn't really mean a lot. All those other things don't really mean a thing. If you, your life doesn't have the right goal, purpose, the meaning and purpose of our lives is that God be made great by us in our lives. And that can mean then that he gives us sickness or hardship for that purpose, to glorify himself, his name. 
the Lord can achieve glory through those things too. But the ultimate purpose and goal of our lives, congregation, is that God's name is made great by us and in us, through us. That's what the Lord Jesus prayed for himself too when he was about to enter in his most intense suffering, in his high priestly prayer. The first thing he asked was, Father, glorify your name in what's going to happen to me and what you're going to do to me. And that's what he taught us to ask for in the first place then too. And I preached to you the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. And we see that in this petition, Christ teaches us to ask our Heavenly Father that we may first of all live for him, secondly know him, and thirdly glorify him. So first, live for him. The first petition, hallowed be your name, seems more like, uh, you know, if you look at it, seems more like a, a polite request. A, a, a nice wish rather than a request for ourselves. We wish something for God. Hallowed be your name, Lord. But we don't always connect it to a need for ourselves. But there's no need for us to make a wish for God like that. Hallowed be your name. God will make sure that his name is hallowed in everything. In the book of Kings, we're told how the giant Goliath profaned God's name. Well, for the sake of his name, God let the shepherd David fell him with a single stone from his sling, and the whole Philistine army was routed. Oh, God will make sure his name is hallowed. There's no need for us to, to wish for that or to worry about that part of it. What we do need to ask for, though, is that we may not be like Goliath and profane God's name in word or deed or in heart. Otherwise, we'll also end up like Goliath. That's the danger. That's our need in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Our greatest need in life, in fact, that we give God's name the honor and praise that is due to Him. That's actually the purpose of our lives, you know, to, to praise God in all His works. That's what we were created for in the beginning. Man wasn't created for himself, for his own sake, to live a nice little life here on earth and whatever. No, God created man for his sake, to glorify and serve him. That was man's purpose and task on earth, to subdue it and fill it to the glory of the almighty and holy God and creator. Let all that breathes praise the Lord. But with the fall, all of that changed, right? Man figured he could live independently from his creator, began to live for himself, seek his own glory and honor. God's glory, in fact, was pushed out of his life as the purpose of his life, and the result was that man began to live for himself. And the results of that are still so obvious in the world today, right? People live for money and possessions for themselves or for their children or for big causes like the protection of the environment or to make a name for themselves, their own glory. I want to be remembered forever. Or just for pleasure, they just live for pleasure. Eat, drink, and have as much fun as you can because tomorrow might not come. 
And it's such an empty life in itself, empty. But in this fallen world, wonder of wonders, God has made his name known. Let the light shine in this dark world. In the vanity of man's existence after the fall, God made known the gospel of his forgiving love in Jesus Christ and his purpose with that. New heavens and a new earth. So there's liberation from that vanity, that senselessness of life in itself. And we can find the sense and goal of our lives again. It's because of that salvation which Christ was going to work that God made his name known on earth in Old Testament times. And by his coming, Jesus Christ, especially on the cross, then has made the Father's name fully known on the earth again. By his cross, Jesus truly connected us with God again. Our lives can again be, begin to fulfill the purpose for which they were created. We have purpose and direction again. The praise of God can again begin in this life through faith in Jesus Christ. So the life of every believer then makes sense, even in a world full of vanity, a world full of senselessness. We have purpose. We have direction. Our joy as well as our grief has meaning. Our health as well as our sickness have purpose. Strength as well as weakness have reason and purpose again. It's all for the praise and glory of God's name. It's also that the, the name of the almighty and holy God may receive honor and praise. And see, that's what we're asking for in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer then. Hallowed be your name. That means, Grandfather, that our own interests do not consume our lives so that we end up living for ourselves or for nothing, but that your name becomes what we live for. The glory of your name becomes our reason for living and doing what we do. To make you great, And we all need to pray that, don't we, congregation? All of us. Because it's so easy for us also to forget our real purpose in life, just to become preoccupied with all other kinds of things. Because of our sinful nature, we have a hard time keeping our life focused on the service of God to His glory. It's so easy for us to become so immersed in this life that we basically end up living for ourselves too. The world in which we live, the culture by which we're surrounded and which speaks to us every day in the media doesn't exist and work for the glory of God's name but for the glory of mankind or something like that. You have, you have whole books and movies and shows and political discussions and radio programs and talks and so on where God's name doesn't come into the picture at all. He's left out completely and it's as if life is all about life itself but not about God. And then we, we often walk and work among people who don't live for God but for themselves or for other causes like the good of humanity. And all of that makes it hard for us to keep focused on our real reason for being alive, for breathing, our reason for doing what we do. We can so easily become absorbed by our own well-being, our own pleasure, our own income, our marriage, our home, our friends, our garden, 
that we also forget what it's really all about. We forget God gave us all these things in order to serve him and magnify him. And young people, young people here, what does your life center around? Maybe you know all the latest songs and singers in their lives. Maybe you know all the latest details about your favorite sports teams or sports stars. Or maybe you know all about video gaming and the latest electronics and digital stuff. All those things will are vanity in themselves. All, all fade away in time. New stuff comes. While the name of your, the Lord, your covenant God, the name of God endures forever. What do you know about God and about his deeds? Do you know your way through the Bible? Are you so full of your God and what he did and still does for you that you want to sing about him? That you want to live for him? Oh, brothers and sisters, we all have to admit that we fall short in knowing and living for the almighty God of glory. He made everything. He upholds everything day by day. And he has provided us with such an amazing deliverance in Jesus Christ. He has given us eternal promises in Christ. He made a covenant with us and made it easy, as easy as possible for us to know him and live for him. He has shown us his power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Made it clear to us in his word. He gave it to us in black and white. We should be just full of the desire then to sanctify, glorify, and praise his name as we confess in Lord's Day 47, shouldn't we? That's what he deserves from us. There's a right to that from us. You know what those three words mentioned there in Lord's Day 47 mean? Sanctify. Eh? Sanctify first. That means to, to treat with reverence set apart as special, extra special, holy. And glorify means to hold up God's name before others, to boast of him to others. If somebody talks about a good teacher at school or an excellent doctor or a fantastic friend, you know, they hold up their friend, their, their thumb like this, and they say, he's the best, he's number one. That's something like Christians ought to do with respect to their father, in heaven too, their Father in Christ. Boast of Him before others. He's the greatest, the best. My Father in heaven, the most awesome God you can imagine. You should honor Him too. You see, you want to serve Him then, and you want others to serve Him then too, with pleasure. And then that third word mentioned by the Catechism, sanctified, glorified, but also to praise him, to praise him. If you're full of the knowledge about and, and full of faith in God's name, you know his works, you'll also want to praise him with your mouth, even with psalms in the night, like the writer of Psalms 42 and 43. We sang part of Psalm 43. He was, this, this psalmist was in extreme difficulty. He was being hounded by enemies. They mocked his trust in God. Where's God, your firm reliance now, they asked. And still the psalmist sings, My soul, why are you sad and grieving? Why oppressed with anxious care? Hope yet in God, his word believing. 
for light and joy from him receiving. I'll praise his name again and laud my Savior and my God. I'll praise his name again and laud my Savior and my God. And that's, see, that's what, that's what we have to admit is so often lacking in our lives as Christians yet, isn't it? We're way too worried about our own name, our own well-being, our own health, and so on, that we end up not paying very much attention to the glory of our Father in heaven. Maybe on Sunday, yes. But during the weekend in our hearts, our Savior wants us to focus our lives on our Father in heaven and on his glory again. That's why he taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. That means Father. Let this be the purpose of our lives. Father, fill us with faith, with awe, with wonder for you and your works. That we don't even want to seek our, our life in the things of this world anymore, but that we seek it in you and in the glory and praise of your name. Making your, your works great. Father, fill us with joy and praise for you always. Even when your hand presses us down. Help us to live in faith so that the glory of your name is our goal in life. So that was the first point then. And in the second point, in the first petition of the Lord's, of the Lord's prayer, Christ teaches us to pray to our Father in heaven that we may know him. It's clear by now, I'm sure, that in order to live for God and praise and glorify Him, we also have to know Him then. Know Him. And that's expressed in the first petition too. The Catechism paraphrases it this way right at the beginning of the answer of Lord's Day 47. Grant us, first of all, that we might rightly know You. How can we live for God? How can we sanctify, glorify, and praise Him if we don't know Him? rightly. Nowadays, there are people who say that all religions present some knowledge of God, Islam, Buddhism, what have you. Ultimately, they all worship the same being. There are Christians who reason that way about different denominations. To every denomination has some knowledge of God. None has the true knowledge. So it basically all comes down to worshiping in the God in the church that appeals to you the most, to your sensibilities. As long as you feel good about it, as long as you feel good in your skin in church, that's where you ought to worship. You realize, though, what, where this kind of attitude is going to bring you, right? You end up wanting to worship God as you want God to be. You want Him to fit into you. You ultimately worship yourself then. But God wants to be worshipped in spirit and truth as He is. And that means according to His Word as He has made Himself known in His Word. Where that Word, where the Bible is central, that's where you come to know God rightly. Because that's His Word. That comes from His heart. So where you're... you're Equipped to be able to praise and glorify Him is where the Word is number one. And then you realize church is important too, where you go. 
But even as a member of Christ's church, where the word is central, it's still hard for Christians to come to the right knowledge of God. It's so easy for us to hang on to a certain sin in our lives and to think, well, God is so good and forgiving. He won't mind if I do this. And then you see what you're doing too then is you make God in your own image. You make God weak, permissive. And who would really and truly praise a God like that? But the opposite is also possible, namely that you see him as a God who is always mad at you, angry. And then you're afraid of him all the time and you won't really want to praise him then either. Who would want to praise a God who only threatens everybody? You see how we often live with a homemade image of God in mind? I think this about God. I feel that. I imagine God is like this or like that. So he'll think this is okay and that's not okay. And, and ultimately, the problem is you don't really know God. Know him. And you can't really serve him and glorify him then, rightly. You need the right knowledge of God for that. That's so important, brothers and sisters, young people too, that we come to the right knowledge of God from the Bible. In Hosea's days, the Lord said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. My people, he says. They were his people and they didn't know his promises and ordinances anymore. Even though they were written, spoken through the prophets, you need to search God's word to know him. Study it. Know it. Inside out. And then you realize Bible reading shouldn't be a matter of we'll do it when we have time for it. If that's the attitude, then eventually you're not going to have any time for reading the Bible at all and getting to know God. Life is just going to be too busy. And you know what that shows, the glory of God is not the focus of your life anymore than either when you start to minimize your contact with the Bible. Other things are more important, like work or relationships or sports. And they're all beautiful and good things that we can enjoy, but they take over. Congregation, is God then still in His glory? Is that still the focus of our lives? And then you realize, too, that God isn't just a matter of knowing with your head. It's knowing with head and heart. And the more you know him from his word, the more your heart will be set on him, too. We need to be motivated to know God. That's why this first petition, too. The Lord Jesus, you know, when he taught the Lord's Prayer, he knew our weaknesses so well. He knew what was in man. And therefore, he put this one first. It's of utmost importance for our eternal well-being that we know God. That we know God. That's why Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer, John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then later on, he, he adds to then yet, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, a true child of God is never going to be satisfied then either with the knowledge they already have of God's Word. We so easily think, you know, I, I know it. I know what's in there. That congregation, that Word is so deep, it'll take more than a number of lifetimes to even just scratch the surface of it. So there's lots of room to grow in the knowledge of our God and Christ, even if you've studied His Word for years and years. And you want to know Him as well as possible, don't you? You want to. You want wrong ideas corrected, right concepts deepened, like a young man and a young woman in a relationship. If it's true love and devotion for each other, toward each other. They're, they're not going to be satisfied just keeping their knowledge of each other to a minimum and just saying hi in the hallway as they walk by each other in the house. I know you and you know me. No. They want to communicate and get to know each other better and better. That way they also grow to the day when they can be one in marriage. And even after years and years together, you still be growing in that knowledge of each other in a marriage. So with the knowledge of God with heart and mind, you need to know your God more and more from contact with the gospel and through praying to Him, calling on Him. That pre the preaching of the gospel in church and the opening of the word at home, devotions, prayer, Congregation, you, you, you concentrate on that as much as you can. And then the wrong con uh, concepts will disappear and the awe for God only grows. And you want to glorify and praise Him more and more in all His works then too. Notice that it says in Lord's Day 47, praise Him in all His works. And that little word all, that, that little word all actually has the emphasis here. That means praise God not only when you see His glory and majesty in nature as we do now in the springtime especially, or His mercy and deliverance on Sundays, but also in, in all things in our lives, also when things don't go well for, for us. Is your life a song of praise to God in hard times too? Like Job... He lost everything he owned as well as his children in one single day, and he still said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How could he say it? It's not easy to say that when you end up losing your job, losing a child, finding out you have terminal cancer, or dealing with sexual abuse. There are so many questions and so many doubts and struggles, but also then called to glorify God. And we can, we can come to that in our struggle if we also know Him from His Word. If you know Him in those struggles, you'll be able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you see, that's why Christ taught us to pray this first petition too, that we know God and come to that glorification of God like Job did too, even when life is hard, even when you stand at a graveside, 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you realize, I hope, this, this is not a cheap petition, this first one that the Lord Jesus just throws in for extra. No, this is our greatest need because it's a struggle to keep seeing what we live for and to know God rightly then too. We need the constant help of the Holy Spirit for this. We're so weak in this. That's why our Savior taught us to pray this petition. Help me, Father, to know you rightly and give you the glory you have a right to from me. We come to the third point of the sermon. In the first petition, Christ teaches us to ask the Father in heaven that we may glorify him. Now, we've, we've already said a fair bit about the need to live to God's glory, and I want to elaborate a bit here about our, our need to live a life to God's glory. To the need to live our whole life, every area of our life, to God's glory. So that it matches what He wants from us. God the Father, you see, He's not satisfied with Sunday Christians, with children who talk piously and sing loudly in church on Sundays, but who are indistinguishable from unbelievers for the rest of the week. Who do the same things, talk the same way, maybe even think the same way as unbelievers otherwise. The, the songs of praise offered up to God on Sundays here should echo through the whole week in every area of our lives. Living for the Lord counts for your whole life, all of one's life, in prosperity as well as in adversity, in health as well as in sickness in youth as well as old age. I shall praise the Lord with all my being. I shall praise him my whole life long, the psalmist says. And then that you realize then that praise of God should include everything, your thoughts to begin with. If we think in patterns, the same patterns the world does that lives without God, then God's name is blasphemed because of us. If God doesn't come into the picture every time, all the time, how easy we do that, eh? To think like the world without taking God and his promises and deeds into account. Yeah, we do that when we're anxious about our money, for instance. And suddenly it all depends on us. Or planning what you're going to do tomorrow or next week. You know, then we, we make plans and we talk about those plans as if it isn't just the Lord willing. Never, never forget that your, your thoughts are not toll-free either. Your Father in heaven knows your thoughts and to a certain extent we can't keep them hidden from our neighbors and our co-workers either. They come to know how we think about things, how we think about life and the issues of, of everyday life. Do we glorify God when we express those thoughts, when we live by those thoughts and attitudes? And words. Words are mentioned in Lord's Day 47. Glorify uh, God with our words. 
our thoughts, words, and actions. Other people listen more carefully than we often think to what we say about life, about God, about church, about each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. They hear our wrong words, too, our criticisms, our complaining, our cynicism in our words. Do our words honor God, give glory to the Almighty? And last but not least, we confess, Lord's Day 7, 47, the need to honor and praise God in our works, deeds. If our, our deeds go against what God wants us to do, what God requires of us, then his name is also blasphemed. And how we need the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit then, congregation because our deeds so often fall short of the glory of God too, right? And our neighbors and fellow workers notice that. Our children too. They see what we do when we get frustrated and they hear what we say, but see what we do when our neighbors see what we do on Sundays, also during the week at home, work. They notice what we do during our holidays. And if we don't live according to our confession that God is our highest purpose, then his name is blasphemed. And then they'll think, you know, they'll, they'll think, oh, look, they're no different from, from anybody else. They do, those people, they do the same things. So God doesn't make much of a difference in your life then. If you do the same things, act the same way. And God is more grieved by that than if unbelievers commit sin. More grieved if his own children don't live for his glory. Don't think, what does God want me to do here? He bought us with the precious blood of his son. And so he expects us to live for him now, too, with our whole lives. He's shown us his grace. He wants us to be there in our thoughts. He expects us to do things in our daily lives with him in mind. And that should be our desire, too. If we really believe in, in God and in Jesus Christ, his Son, that we're filled with that, that... There's no day that goes by that we're not thinking. Maybe even an hour goes by without thinking about our relationship with God. And that we thank him. Lord, thank you for that. And, and isn't that what you want? That all your thoughts, words, and deeds are centered around your God and Savior you see your weaknesses, your failings in this, but you wish you could give your whole life to God to glorify Him, to make Him happy. What could be more satisfying than to make your Father in heaven happy? Every step you take in your life, every stage of your life. Well, that's why the Savior said too, when you pray, Begin all your 
request to God for the fulfillment of your needs with this petition, hallowed be your name. That means, Father, we want to live for you. And this petition then also expresses the longing to live with God in paradise, that that may come soon too. What a joy that will be. No sin or struggle anymore. No forgetting of God. Just basking completely in the glory of our God forever. Amen.